You're listening to episode 162 of Outnumbered the Podcast. We are thrilled to introduce you today to Chanel Nielsen, a life coach who specializes in helping moms simplify and organize their lives, especially those moms who feel called to do something outside of their families. Chanel is also an amazing mom to five kids and is sharing with us her unique strategy to simplify and organize your life called the mom's method. Let's take a listen. Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. I'm Audrey. And I'm Bonnie. We are experienced moms to a combined total of 19 children. In our weekly episodes, we explore relatable topics using our perspectives of humor and chaos. Tune in for advice and encouragement to gain more joy in your parenting journey. Welcome back, friends. We are so excited to share this episode with you guys today. We have a guest, which we do not have very often, but we love our guests because we a lot of thought and work goes into finding and connecting with them. And today's guest is Chanel Nielsen. Welcome to the podcast, Chanel. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yeah, we're excited to have you. So Chanel has a pretty cool... Um, story slash uh, passion for moms. And so I'm going to give you just a quick little overview of who she is. Um, Chanel Nielsen is a life coach who helps moms with a side hustle to organize their day and find balance between family and personal goals. So that already sounds like our kind of person, right, Audrey? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, She's a mom of five kids and is passionate about helping moms simplify so they can prioritize what matters and to find success for themselves. Kind of like our episode we just did on success as a mom. So like you fit right in, Chanel. (laughs) Perfect. She is also the former host and creator of the popular Moms Who Know podcast and author of Parents Who Know. So welcome again. We're excited to have you. Thank you. Yeah, we're really excited to dive into some of this stuff, but we'd love to start our episodes off with a humor segment. So we heard that you might have something funny, a funny mom moment to share with us. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was hard to pick because kids are so funny, right? They just are naturally funny. I taught preschool for a long time, and that is why it was solely in it for the comedy reasons. (laughs) They're just so funny. But um, the, the thing that I thought of to share today is... I live in Southern California and um, we get snow maybe once a year or once every other year, just a light dusting of snow. And when my son was about three or four, we got snow and it was really exciting. We gave him some gloves and he went outside to play in his flip-flops and he came back inside and he goes, mom, are there any like things like kind of like gloves for your feet? I just pause and had to laugh every time I think about that. Like, yeah, they're called socks. People wear them every day, but obviously we don't around here. We're kind of flip-flop kind of people. So That's hilarious. We live live in Phoenix and pretty much every time – November rolls around. We're like, yes, cooler weather. And mom goes, oh, socks. Yeah. You know, we have to keep track of socks and the shoes with the laces and all the, you know, instead yes. of just the sandals all day long. So I feel that <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> At our house, we actually have a sock basket and it's actually two sock baskets, one for folded socks and one for not folded socks, just the random socks. So <laughs> we live, we don't get to live in a climate where socks are optional. You have to have foot gloves. (laughs) 
That's what I'm start calling him. <laughs> your foot gloves on. It's cold outside. Uh, okay, so Chanel, now that we know kind of your little professional bio, um, I just wanted to ask, tell us just a little bit about the Chanel that your friends and family know. What are the what are the quirks that that make you yeah. who you are? So I am always reading a book. I mean, even if I'm watching TV with my kids. I'm reading a book. Um, that's how I feel like I'm available to you if I'm reading a book. When my kids are home in the afternoon, if I'm sitting there, I'm not engaged in something else. I'm reading a book. I can be interrupted at any time. So that's one thing about me. I read a lot. Um, I am also, I don't like to say addicted because I could stop at any time, but a little bit addicted to super dark chocolate. I have dark chocolate on the regular. And every once in a while, when it gets to be too much, when I'm like getting on a first name basis with the people at Trader Joe's, I'm like, I'll take a little break just to prove to myself that I can. Um, and then I, I back off a little bit. Um, I love to be outside. I love to walk. I love to swim. I love yoga. Um, so yeah, those are really kind of the things about me. And I, I love to just be with my family and friends and kind of relax or swim or be in the hot tub, that kind of stuff. Man, you sound like you fit right in here. Say, let's just invite her to be a third member of the podcast. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> well, if it helps, my qualifications, I come from a family of eight. Um, I'm the oldest of eight kids. They called me mom number two. So, yeah. <laughs> See, every time I see kids who were the oldest of a large family that go on to have children, it just – helps me feel a little bit better about all the things I'm requiring of my oldest children, yes. right? That they, they're still going to want children when they grow up. That's great. <laughs> You're not Thanks. ruining them. Yeah. Right. They're okay. Thanks for being a success story. <laughs> uh, well, we want to know why you're passionate about what you do, helping moms simplify and gain clarity. Like, is there um, a personal um, story in it from you? Yeah. So for me, um, you know, it's funny because I did grow up with all these younger kids in my family and I thought, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. Like I've been raising kids my whole life. Well, it's a lot different as a big sister than as a mom. And I really struggled um, in my early mom years. After I had two kids, I was like, I'm done. This is all I can handle. And then we ended up having two more. And that was kind of my breaking point after four. And our sweet little number five, there's a seven-year gap. He was kind of a surprise, but he's been so fun and, and super easy. But anyway, um, that after my four kids in six years, I was like, what am I doing? This is so hard. I never had a minute to myself. I felt very overwhelmed. And um, I started to have some physical symptoms. And I went to the doctor and he ran a bunch of tests. And he said, you know, your problem is, you're stressed. And I'm like, well, tell me something I don't know, <laughs> you know? And he said, you need to find a, a way to de-stress and, and figure this out. And I, I just wanted to slap him because that's easy for him to say. I don't see his four kids at work with him. Like they're here with me at the doctor's office, right? Um, but I did, after cooling it a little bit, I realized, okay, I do need to figure this out and I do need to have time for myself. And I started um, with yoga, daily yoga. It's part of a morning routine and we'll talk more about morning routines later. But for me, I started to realize if I do these little things, I don't have to live in complete overwhelm. I don't have to get to this burnout phase that I was getting to every day and living in to where like bedtime was the worst. Trying to make dinner was the worst. I was like 
on edge all the time because I was never, as cliche as it is, never filling my cup, never replenishing so that I never had anything to give. Oh, that's beautiful. I mean, not that you were stressed, but that you were finally (laughs) realizing, you know, sometimes we, I think as moms, especially we have to get sometimes to that breaking point almost before we realize, oh, I'm a person too. And I matter. And to our credit, I think women in general are just built as self-sacrificers, which is great because we kind of have to, to keep children alive, but there is a balance, right? And there is a point where we realize, oh, this isn't self-sacrifice. This is like, I am falling on the sword for these children and that's not okay. Right. I have got to take care of myself. So I love that you got to that point. It would be really nice and, you know, encourage, I encourage listeners to not get to that point, like to recognize that you don't have to be told. Why did I have to be told by this doctor that I needed to de-stress? Like, I think somewhere I knew it, but I felt like it wasn't possible. And just having him say, like, you actually, physiologically, your body is saying you need to calm down. You need less stress in your, in your system. Then I'm like, well, then how can I? It changed from there's no way to like, okay, I've got to figure this out. So what's next? Right. I think that often part of our what defines us or how we define ourselves as motherhood kind of evolves to include um, tired, stressed out, yeah. worn out, um, never any time for yourself. Like that you start to think of that as that's what a good mom is or a good mom does. And like, that's kind of deceptive, but it's also maybe out of desperation. Um, You say, well, this is just the point of my life right now. And this is what makes me a good person. And so then kind of stepping back from that and seeing how, how you can have time for yourself too, how you can retain who you are through motherhood. Or, you know, it's not like, you know, you're one person going into motherhood and you're the same person going out. Definitely not. You're definitely, it's part of who you are, but not to have, not to be a person that's, mm, I'm struggling for the right words, but like a lesser quality because of what motherhood has done to you. Like you come out on the other side as stronger, better, healthier, more amazing person. Yeah, definitely. You know, I know we've done this analogy before, but when you think of building your muscles, right, they have to be taxed and tried and actually broken down in order to grow, which is kind of like motherhood. However, if you're not also feeding your body protein and getting rest and taking breaks from the exercise and that breaking down of the muscle fibers, you won't ever build the muscle. Your body will go into just survival, (laughs) right? And so we need to remember that as well. We, there will be those times of trial and where we feel like we're breaking down, but if there's not also rest and fuel and all these things to build us up, then we just kind of take a nosedive. Okay. So we want to get into the meat of our episode here, Chanel. We have heard about your mom's method, M-O-M-S. So we want to just get a little overview here. We're going to get into the steps in a minute. Can you explain what the acronym is and what prompted you to create this? What, What was the impetus? Yeah. So really it's to solve this problem. It goes back to when, you know, me being in that overwhelm, and that's who I work with, is moms who primarily feel like they're called to do something. They feel like they want to do something in addition to motherhood. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean go have a career. I work with a lot of podcasters. It can be moms who want to have a podcast or a blog or who, you know, want to go help in this volunteer capacity or whatever it is. They feel this thing, but they're so overwhelmed and weighed down by motherhood, they're not even taking time for self-care that they're like, how could I possibly 
do this thing. So the mom's method is, um, it stands for manifestation, organization, mobilization, and simplification. And it's my four-step process to really help moms make life a little bit simpler so that they can find that balance between what they need to do for their family and what they want to do, what they feel just calling them to do. Oh, I love that. That sounds so great. That sounds like such a good um, method, like that you and you come out on the other end exactly where you want to be. So yeah. we want to dig into this, um, into each of those four steps. So the first step you said was manifestation, right? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So manifestation is kind of a woo-woo word. And I, I wish that it, it wasn't an M in moms or I wouldn't have used it because sometimes people get the wrong idea. Um, manifestation aligns a lot with the idea of spiritual creation. And I like to say spiritual creation rather than like law of attraction. In fact, I don't I don't love that idea of law of attraction. Now, if you're not familiar with any of this, law of attraction is basically you believe something is coming to you and it is. Now, what I prefer is this idea of the law of vibration. And the law of vibration means that you get yourself in the right energy and you get yourself ready and willing to receive whatever God wants you to receive. And to me, that's the difference. I like that God is a part of this spiritual creation and this law of vibration. And so how that helps us make mom life simple, when we have our mindset right, when we expect those good things to come and when bad things come and we look at those as an opportunity because they're just leading to the next good thing, it can just shift the whole way we we look at life and we look at our motherhood and we look at our day. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking, I, I, I feel like part of that getting in the right vibration is to, um, slow down a little bit, maybe quiet down our life a little bit. I yeah. I've had little things happen throughout my day where I'm like, oh, if I had been just a little bit less harried and listening just a little bit more, maybe I wouldn't have had this major inconvenience or, you know, I kind of felt this feeling that maybe I should do this or that. And I was just a little bit too crazy to tap into that. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to that second step, which is organization, correct? Yes. Yeah. Over organization. So organization, I teach a lot of different methods. Um, but for moms, it doesn't look like if you do a normal time management system, we can't have this, okay, at seven o'clock, I'm going to do this. And at eight o'clock, I'm going to do this because what that leads to is frustration. Instead, what that leads to is like, oh my gosh, my kids are ruining my life because I have this great set system and they're not letting me do it, right? And instead, organization means dealing with the, the actual reality that you have. And um, we'll get it to another step that really helps with organization when we talk about S for simplification because those kind of work hand in hand. But one thing that I, I like to really hammer home for moms with organization is routines that serve you. And my number one, number one tip is having a morning routine. Um, when I talk about morning routine, it doesn't need to be this, you know, huge drawn out thing. All it needs to be is wake up before your kids so that you do something that prepares you for the day. So that might be wake up 10 minutes before your kids and make a list of what needs to happen today. Um, it might be that you wake up early and like I did when I started my morning routine, I did yoga because I knew I needed to calm down. And it was just for a little bit of time. 
every morning. Um, now I wake up about an hour before my kids and I do have this long, wonderful morning routine of it's journaling, scripture study, yoga, meditation. And like, oh, I'm telling you, that sets me up for a day. So when my kids are having a hard time or giving me a hard time or whatever, I am better able to handle everything that comes at me because I've organized my day in a way that I get what I need first so that then I'm able to give throughout the rest of the day. Yeah, I love that uh, part that you said about not tying it to the clock because for me that um, is just setting yourself up to be frustrated. Like, um, so I have a morning routine that I go through before my I do things with my kids and then um, when my kids are awake. So we have this, like, I do the morning routine and then we do a morning routine. But as soon as I try to, you know, say, okay, we're going to be done with the morning routine by nine o'clock boom, it's going to be a bad day because we're never done by nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah. So when I have found that too, like just detach it from a clock and look at, um, so tying it to time for me was, was tying it to failure. So instead when I was focusing on, oh, we didn't, not that we got everything done, but that we didn't do it by nine o'clock. So focusing on failure instead of success. So as soon as I learned to detach it from the clock, then I could focus on the success of all the things that I had gotten done in my morning routine and we had gotten done together. And so, yeah, that, that part is huge for me to not tying it to the clock <laughs> because with kids, that's just that they don't do time. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. And you know, even if even if things are going along for a while and they're good and whatever, you if you're so focused on the clock, then you don't allow for either those moments of spontaneity where like, oh, we're, we're having this connection and we're having this great conversation, but it's nine o'clock, so it's time to move on, you know, <laughs> either that or when there's emergencies and the kids need you or something just comes up, if you're so tied to this organization schedule, if you think that's what being organized is, then you don't allow for just the flow of family life. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Using this morning for an example, my seven-year-old, he must be having a growth spurt because he slept in until, well, we homeschool, so he slept in until 10 o'clock. And normally they he wakes up, you know, like six o'clock, seven o'clock. So his siblings were like, do, do you think we should get him up? Is it time to get him up? I said, should no. Go check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, you know, you remember guys that we've learned that when when you're asleep is when you grow and when you heal and all that. And so like, just because we weren't tied to a clock, we didn't have to wake him up and get him. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a really good point. That's pretty great. I also want to speak just quickly to the moms who maybe are in survival times. We talk about this a lot. The ones who have a new baby or who have had a new baby for 10 years and are like, there's no way I can ever wake up before my children. Sometimes you just have to be creative. So I will, admit that um, for a short while, the way it worked for me to get something in for me at the beginning of the day was I would get up with my nursing baby. I would lock my bedroom door and my kids would just run amok and destroy my house while I nursed my baby and read something uplifting or did my own meditation or whatever. So it wasn't strictly, you know, the way I would have liked it, which would have been 6 a.m. in a quiet house, but it was what was necessary for me at the time. So you you just have to roll with the punches that life gives you. And there's a lot of them as a mom, especially with little ones, really little ones. Um, but, but there's a way to do, put you first. So 
All right. The third step, the M, the second M you said, which is a third step, is mobilization. So Bonnie and I, as girls who like to get things checked off their list, are excited to hear about this one. It's probably not what it means, though. <laughs> yes. No, it does mean that. It means getting stuff done. It means primarily through habits, getting stuff done through creating habits that propel you forward. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to be fighting ourselves. We don't want to be focusing all the time on willpower and like, oh, okay, I have to do this, right? Like we we want to be in a place that the things we need to do are so um, easy. So, and I'll talk about that because we're like, how can it be easy? It's so little and easy that we just get started. So mobilization is that process of getting started. So um, one of the ways that we do that is the tiny habits method. That's by BJ Fogg. You guys are probably familiar with that. Mm -hmm. No? Okay. Let me, and some listeners might not be, I'll explain it really briefly. So um, BJ Fogg is a researcher. He wrote a book recently called Tiny Habits, maybe last year. Um, anyways, it talks about this idea that you want your habits to really, the ability to do them is high. Um, you have high ability to get them done and it takes very low motivation to get them done. So when you think about that, usually when people are trying to set up things they want to do in their life, they set up the opposite. They say, I want to go run five miles. Well, it's hard to do and your ability to do it, your motivation to do it, I should say, is um, maybe high at the beginning. So you go do it the first day, but eventually you're going to come to a day where you don't have that motivation, where you're feeling not feeling like doing it. But if instead of having that goal be go run five miles today, if your goal is instead to put on your running shoes and step outside, and as soon as you do that, you celebrate, what that's going to do is it's going to lock in a habit so that every day even if that's all you do, you put on your shoes, you step outside, you're like, today is not my day, and you go back inside, but you still let yourself feel good about that, you are going to do more in a year, in two years, in five years than you ever would have done if you started the other way. So mobilization is about really breaking down what you want to do and making it easier and making it simpler and making it doable. So when I talk about morning routines, um, as an example, one of the things that I like to teach people to do is like, you don't have to maybe, okay, for me, for example, my morning routine is an hour and each item on my list takes about 20 minutes, right? But if I sleep in, if I don't feel good, if um, my kids need me in the morning, get up sick or whatever, I can break those down. I journal one sentence. I read one verse of scripture. I do one yoga pose. I meditate for a minute. The whole thing is done in between five and 10 minutes and I still celebrate. I still did my full morning routine and I'm a rock star because I did that. Letting ourselves feel like that is enough is so powerful and will keep us on the path of the things that we want to do. That is awesome. Oh, I love that. Tiny habits. I know that I put tiny things on my checklist in the day that make me feel good. And they're things that I want to do and are very, like very motivated to do and very easy to do. Like for example, make my bed, brush my teeth, like takes like, you know, a minute, right? Yeah. (laughs) But I still count those as an accomplishment because I want to do them. They're easy. And it's something I can say, Hey, 
I did, I did awesome today. I, I managed to get my bed make and made and brush my teeth. And you can like even do that with a baby on one hip. You can still make your bed and brush your teeth with a baby on one hip. <laughs> I think yeah. sometimes we think self-care, we can't get it done because we have to do it without our kids. And that's, you know, like an ideal, you know, 30 minutes of yoga without a kid hanging off of us. Sure. Yes. We, we would love that. But sometimes yoga means we're doing yoga and we're the jungle gym that they're climbing around on while we do yoga or, <laughs> or um, there's this one phrase that I, that I revert back to often when I'm doing yoga and there's a kid crawling around me. It was an article that I was fortunate enough to read at the very beginning of my parenting journey. And it was talking kind of about this very idea of including your kids in your self-care routine. And so this lady was talking about doing yoga, her toddler crawling around her. And every time she would lay down, he would put his stuffed frog on her face. And so her mantra for that yoga session became relax the frog. <laughs> so often awesome. when I'm doing yoga and I've got a toddler calling all over me, I just say to myself, relax the frog. <laughs> you know, people pay good money to do yoga with baby goats. So just consider it a free, you know, free baby goat yoga, except they're kids. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Kid and, yoga. and they're Same screaming thing. and everything. Yeah. So cute <laughs> to see little kids try to do the yoga poses yes. too. <laughs> you know, I have to say that thinking now with this um, perspective in mind, as I think back to the things and the habits that I've been successful at, I realize it's because there I was doing something that was either small or something that I really, really love to do. So I, I enjoy running most of the time, but the reason I do is not because running just gets me up in the morning. It's because I always listen to upbeat music and I'm a big fan of dancing and feeling the beat. And so in, there's not a lot of opportunities to feel the beat as a mother. I'm not going to any dance clubs these days. So I put on my headphones and I go run and I look forward to it so much, even if I'm way overweight or I'm running at a snail's pace, because the one thing I've included is the thing that makes me so happy. And I've tried doing it with an audiobook and I've tried doing it with, you know, other more productive things and it does not work for me. And so I just won't because this is what makes me enjoy it. And so I'm just grasping onto that and keeping going. <laughs> yeah. That's so powerful. I just want to point out two things in what you, both of you said. So Bonnie talked about, um, so make it be, do something you love. That if at all possible, the things that we're doing, we want to love those, right? Sometimes, um, you know, when it's something like that, maybe exercise that we should do, but we want to, if if at all possible, you want to be able to just love it. That is going to get you going. And if you don't love running, to pair it with something that you love. So that's really powerful. And then, um, Audrey, one thing that you said that I think is crucial is celebrating your wins. And this is something I teach people to do is at the end of each night, and it doesn't have to be major, this goes back to this tiny thing, write down, it can be a bulleted list. What were my wins today? What did I do? And maybe it's, I made the bed, I brushed my teeth. Um, it can be that simple. But when you look for those, you then are training your brain to see them more. And you're training your brain to feel like, oh my gosh, I am killing it at motherhood. I brushed my teeth like three days in a row. Are you seeing this? Show your husband like, look at this. But those wins, you feel good. And that makes you want to do more tomorrow. Now, it's not always about doing more, 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 but recognizing that the things you're doing are good. They're a win and you celebrate and you're worth celebrating 
even if all you did that day was wear real pants. And that should definitely make the list. I wore real pants today. Yeah, totally. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah, I love making a a to-do list and including a lot of silly things that I was going to do anyway that did not need to be on my list. But I checked those babies off (laughs) and I'm like, Ben, feeling good about it. (laughs) Sometimes I even write something on the list after I have it done so that I can have something to talk. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Yes. Clearly we're productivity driven people because we just need to feel good about that. Okay. So your fourth step is simplification, which is already making me happy just hearing the word. So tell us about that one. Yes. Okay. So there's a few different things that we can talk about. I'm going to touch on two, I think, in the time that we have. So one is to simplify your stuff. And the other one is to simplify your schedule. So simplifying your stuff, we're talking about decluttering. We're talking about all the stuff. Um, Studies have shown that it's really interesting when you dive into the research. We know clutter is not great. Like we don't want a bunch of stuff laying around and this is why we want to go watch hoarders. Like, see, they, they're worse than me. I'm okay. It's all good. But um, we, we kind of have a general idea. But what studies have shown is that people in cluttered homes are more likely to be overweight. Moms in cluttered homes are more likely to be stressed out. Um, people are more likely to be in debt, which makes sense because they went and bought that stuff. Um, So there's all kinds of things that happen when you have a bunch of stuff. What I've found is the most powerful way to learn this lesson, though, is to just go and get either a trash bag or a bag for the, you know, the thrift store or both and go through your house and just get rid of stuff and then see how you feel. You will immediately feel lighter. It's like the easiest way to lose five pounds ever. This is, I want to patent that, like lose five pounds in an hour. My new diet, get rid of your stuff. But you feel so good and you feel the weight of that stuff just relieve, like it's a relief. It's gone. It's not weighing on you anymore. And you're like, oh, I didn't even realize that that was running in the system, you know, in your mind system in the background until you get rid of it. Yes. This is like my love language. I'm so glad you're talking about this. (laughs) So one thing to me that I have realized about clutter is that each thing represents a decision. Mm, (laughs) And I get decision fatigue so easy. Like, like seeing it in the, you know, laying in the middle of the floor or on the table. Does this need to be picked up? Does this need to be dealt with? Uh, you know, like five questions, which each with each thing that's laying down, multiply that by the 20 things that, you know, happen to be laying around. And I just want to go curl up in a ball, pull the blanket over my head and not see anything. For me, it, the simplification reduces that decision fatigue. And then I have more energy and excitement to make the kind of decisions I want to be making. Yes. Totally. Yes. That is definitely speaking my language because I love that. I mean, it's such a good point. That is, that's what's going on in our mind. It's these questions. What do I need to do about this? Oh, does that belong to so-and-so? Oh, it, was that something they were supposed to bring with them? And all this mind chatter, when we can get rid of it, it quiets, quiets things down for us. Oh, I was, I was going to say, so I personally have noticed this is a real struggle for me lately because I like to put off some of my decision-making and in the form of stacks of things. So what do you, what do you recommend for somebody who hesitates with that and maybe keeps thinking, oh, I just don't have time to go through this stack. Should we put it away until we have time? Should we just 
give up on it. You know, the things that like, oh, I really should do this, but I don't want to kind of thing. Yeah, totally. It makes sense. So there's a couple things. One is to have a regular decluttering practice. Um, one of the things that I like to work with clients on is I the idea of identity. So I am the kind of person who, and how this fits into this clutter thing is I'm the kind of person who doesn't bring a lot of stuff into my house. I'm the kind of person who immediately makes the decision. I'm the kind of person who, when I'm busy, I'm going to put this in a box. I'm going to put this box over here, but I have a regular time when I'm going to go through that box or whatever it is for you. But allowing yourself to decide this general idea of your identity, of who you are in relation to your stuff. I'm the kind of person... And for me, I'll tell you, I'm the kind of person who doesn't like a lot of stuff because I like my free time. I like to not be making all those decisions about my stuff. So I'm the kind of person who immediately after I get the mail, I stand by the trash the trash can. I'm throwing it away unless I really need it. And I try, sometimes other people help me by getting the mail. I try to be the one to get the mail so if there's a bill, I can pay it right away so that it's not piling up. So that's one system, right? With mail. I'm the kind of person who owns one laundry basket full of clothes. I wash it. I dry it. If I don't fold it right away, I live out of the basket for a while. I'm I'm easy on myself that way. But I'm also the kind of person who owns one, even with our five kids, we own approximately one dishwasher full of dishes. And if someone doesn't do their job, It can't pile up anymore. We just have to hand wash a plate to go eat or they find a paper plate. But regardless, (laughs) it can't pile up. So I don't know if that totally answers your question, Bonnie, but those are some little things that kind of have helped me in that way. Yes. And when you said this uh, the part about identity, I thought you were going to get on my case because I think I started by saying I'm the kind of person who... struggles to make decisions about things. And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe I just need to shift that, right? I'm the kind of person who makes a decision right away. And part of me is I think I I, I love to have a very full life. Like I want to have um, scrapbooks of my kids' stuff and I want to have this and, you know, yeah. not, not necessarily stuff, but because I always have a lot of projects going on, it tends to pile up things, right? Yes. That then takes a lot of space in my mind and in my schedule and uh, it doesn't feel good there. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Yeah, exactly. So figuring out that balance of of what is serving you, what works with your stuff, and what would be how you would be better served by letting other things go. Um, I wanted to touch on the second point of simplifying your schedule really quick. And um, one of the things, and I just want to make sure we talked about this because we have talked about, and I am with you guys. I love checking stuff off. I love making a long list so that I can see it checked off. But here's what I've learned with simplifying um, my schedule. First, obviously, when we're talking about schedule, we need to say no sometimes. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so being really careful, being a gatekeeper about what you allow in, what you allow on your schedule, what you allow your kids to do. But also, when I'm writing that to-do list, I really like to focus on the big three. What are the three things that need to happen today? Now, I'm not saying you can't write down later like, and I'm going to make my bed, and I'm going to brush my teeth, and I'm going to do this, just so you have the joy 
of checking those off, but what are the three things that really matter? And I like to tie these to a bigger thing, like either, you know, you're working on your podcast, so what needs to happen? Well, I need to record this episode today or I need to edit it. This is the one thing that I need to do. Or um, in my family, like on my list last week, I, I need to write a love note to my husband. That's a big three important thing to strengthen that relationship. But what are the big three? Because often what happens, we get so excited about checking things off. If I have just a list of 10 things, 20 things, I'm going to look for what's the easiest and what's the quickest way to get something checked off. Well, order that thing on Amazon. All right. I'm going to prioritize that. I'm going to do that first but it's not actually the priority. When you don't do it that way and you don't focus on what's really important, that important stuff will become urgent. It will become a a necessity either, you know, in the example of with my husband writing him a love note, then eventually if I keep ignoring those little things to work on the relationship, the relationship will struggle. And so it's the little things that are the, the big three, I should say, that are important rather than easy to do. Sure, sure. I I think that we know when we're writing (laughs) those little things on the list and then checking them off afterwards. I mean, there is a a measure of, you know, satisfaction to that. But I, I think we also know if we're not getting the big three or the big one or whatever happens to be on our list today, that's the really important one. If we're not getting to that, like that's gonna there's gonna be a measure of defeat in that too. I I think that's a good thing to know as well. Yeah, that reminds me of um, Stephen Covey's uh, little four quadrants that he does, the things that are urgent and non-essential versus the things that are essential and not urgent at all, you know, and that that balance is is tricky sometimes. Okay, we want to finish up with one more question. If you just had one thing that you wish moms everywhere could understand about themselves and their roles in their families, what, what would that be? Oh my gosh. Okay. This is such a hard question. Such a great question. But I would just say, you know what? You're doing enough. You are. You are enough in who you are. You're the mom that was sent here to be the mom to those kids. And even if it looks different than what other moms do, it's enough. Oh, beautiful. Well, and that's it. (laughs) That's the episode. (laughs) Janelle, thank you so much for joining us. You have shared so many great nuggets of wisdom. I'm so glad we had you on. And uh, can you tell our listeners really quickly where they can find you online if they want to learn more? Yes, I just started a new podcast. It's called Mom's Life Made Simple. So we go in depth on the things that we've talked about today. And the other great place is if you're starting or looking to start a morning routine, I have a morning routine checklist. You can go to chanelnielsen.com forward slash mornings and get that. That sounds awesome. We'll link that one in the show notes because I know that there's going to be a lot of people wanting to grab that one. Yeah. Yes. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing. And thank you so much for joining us again today. We've had so much fun chatting with you. Oh, thank you both. Thanks for listening, friends. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe to our email and never miss another episode. Show us some love by leaving a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. 